This is the Bar Stewards Enquiry. You are talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. In, in what way? You are an underachiever in life. You were, I saved your bacon one time. You were gone. Well, I couldn't save you. I, I don't know if you are, but you said the right thing. But well, that's why you don't know anything about racing, John. I, I didn't say I do. Right? I'm saying that. What have what you contributed to racing? You are one of these take-out merchants. Take out all you can. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Barstewers Inquiry Weekend Podcast, the Locking Edition. My name's Lee Keys of SystemBet.co.uk, and as always, John Lang is my partner in crime. John Joe's blog spot. John's absolutely on fire this spring. I've looked at his profit today. Puts me to shame. Absolute to shame, John. Something like to, to, to sort of ten pound, twenty pound, thirty pound units. You're about six hundred and eighty odd quid in front. Is that right? Before today, I've, anyway. I've probably miscounted, Lee. In all fairness, I don't figure on. I, I don't know how the hell I've done it to be honest. To SP, really. Um, I was kind of just hoping to keep my edible water, but I'm really pleased with how it's gone in all fairness. I think it's cracking. I think it's nice. Like I said, you, you, you're putting a lot of people to shame out there with the, those sort of numbers. So, like I say, folks, if you, um, I think John had his settings set to, he didn't, he didn't want any uh, scrotes coming on page, like that setting where it says no scrotes. And John's now ticked it or unticked it to let the scrubs yeah ginger hitler can have a look now <laughs> and even ginger hitler is allowed now to, to view the selection so yeah so john's been very very kind there so anyone that wants to give him a shout on facebook it's good banter on there as well like and they don't stand for any nonsense so you will you will be oosted out of there if you abuse Anyway, we'll come on to the questions for this year, and uh, we've got a few actually, about four this week, so thanks for that. And one of the first ones um, is a sort of a like punting handicapping question from Joe Nathan, John, and he says, how much do you factor in the ground? when picking your selections, you know, how important do you think it is? And he says also in big field handicaps where the field may split, would you say being on the speed and around the favours or favoured horses is more important than the draw itself? Hmm. Ground extremely important to me. Um yeah, you may remember I mentioned a while back I was very involved with Clark Watch when that was on uh, the Betfair Forum and we compiled an awful lot of stats about uh, going stick ratings yep. and what relation they actually had to the actual going forecasts provided by Clarks. And uh, I wouldn't say it made me an expert on it, but it certainly broadened my knowledge of it. And I feel that I do utilise the, the fact quite well that I have a, a little bit better idea than most about what a stick rating is likely to produce at most of the tracks. Um, with regard to the big failed handicaps, it, it kind of depends, really. I mean, if it was a, a big failed handicap at, say, Ascot or Doncaster, I think 
irrespective of the pace, I'd be more inclined to look towards a horse that gets the trip well and is likely to be finishing its race off from a hold-up ride rather than yep. worrying about what's going to be making it. Um, and I know it can be important as we have dragging them along, but I think it sort of evens itself out, really, whereas, so, you know, if, you, if you're on the pace at those tracks, chances are the pace is going to collapse anyway. So you, you tend to think that the side that took its time a bit might probably come through anyway. Um, that said, when uh, before the ruin things at Thirsk, you can have a bloody good try cast up most days when, uh, <laughs> the, the, when the watering system didn't reach the stand rails. Um, you, you know, I mean, again, it was irrespective of um, where the pace was. It was a case of just get as much as you could on the draw and perm your thigh for the chair cast and work to collect. Yeah, a 9-10 Jack Queen King, John, wasn't it? That was lovely, <laughs> wasn't it? You know, I mean, it, it was a tragedy when they started that out at first, really. Yeah. They've gone slightly the other way at first, though. I mean, if you on the straight course, <laughs> it's quite weird this, right? Because I've I've done a lot on on Thursk, and the the straight course on when it when it's softer ground definitely yeah. favours low 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 numbers definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yet, but yet on the round course over seven furlong and a mile, it, it favours high numbers. Now I can only think that that's. I mean, do you remember? Do you remember? The late Mel Britton, John, moaning about that first bend on so- getting oh. chewed up on 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 inner. Yeah, but I mean, like as if- I mean, to be fair, he did have a couple killed there. Well, yeah, see, yeah, yeah, fair, fair play, yeah. But I mean, he, do you remember when he used to tell us, like at the races, uh, Mel? He used to, he used to, that was his main topic of conversation. That. That bend at first. Ooh, you he didn't see, like ooh. it like no, yeah. no, no, no. Very chewed up, he said, on the inside. Um, and that's why I think that the wide or and have you noticed in the straight, everything swings off at first on softer yeah, ground. Yeah. And they come down middle and finish down middle. Um yeah. so it's it's an interesting bias track first. I think it does need a bit of study. Um so in answer to your question, Joe. Um, same as John, ground absolutely vital, and I encourage anyone to do the work by checking turf tracks, going stick archive, and checking past past, past reports from clerks. Because let's let's be right, these clerks are I'd say pretty similar to stewards. You know, absolutely bloody cool. Born out of wonders is the phrase you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, you've got to do your own work because just because they say good, do never take that as gospel. Look at the stick reading, look at the forecast for the last <coughs> few days that the tracks had, look at the forecast for the day ahead, and obviously build that into your betting. I think that's that's something that punters don't do and don't do that thoroughly enough. Uh, and I, I, I think that's that's the first thing you should start every time you get up Saturday morning to pick your winners out. Check them sticks and check that weather, past weather and present weather, and make sure that you, you're going into the day fully fully prepared for any thunderstorms, anything. Um, and, make, and I think that that yeah. Make your first job of the day, seeing how far it's gone in. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like something for another show. That how far it's gone in. It's a late night edition. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, I get images every time you speak, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> right, anyway, we'll move on to the next question. Thanks for that, Joe. Good question. Um, Chris B, he's, he's, an, he's an avid avid listener. Uh, uh, he's on Twitter, and he says, could we learn from the Irish about getting races off on time? Newbury and one or two other courses seem to be in a tif- different time zone, John. Well, he's absolutely right. I mean, uh, the thing is, these courses, the serial offenders, and they never make any attempt to catch up, you know? Um, it's like they have to have a minimum of half an hour between races, you know? Um, I don't see how this works, you know? I mean, it was out eight years ago, you know what I mean? But... but the, they should be at race every 20 minutes if we wanted them to. Yeah. You know, I mean, things are an awful lot slicker, or they could be, if they actually managed it properly. Um, you know, it'd be nothing to have a 10 race gap, 20 minutes between. And there's like no, nobody ever seems to give any credence to that. It's crazy to, to me, you know? Um, I mean, there's certain courses where they're habitually off late because they seem to take ages loading up. I mean, we'll go back to Thirsk again. Thirsk getting the stick today, isn't it? Um, any, anything, anything that starts down the back straight at Thirsk, you can guarantee three or four play up before the race because yeah. of the arse box packs and just the other, other side of the fence. Same at Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. and they all want to be back in the box. Yeah. You, you know, and they don't factor that in at all. You, you know, and it happens every meeting. You, you know, but these freaking zombies that's in charge they just go boom, 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 meandering on, don't they? Well, I think I think one of one of my pets is obviously you've you've got say a sixteen runner handicap, just just for example, um, with a, with a start time of say three thirty, yeah. and you can guarantee, you can guarantee. At these jockey club race course tracks, anyway, most of them. Yeah. That, that they put in the first one in just before three thirty, you know, yeah. or, or yeah. three three twenty nine. When if you've yeah. got to get twenty runners in, you should be starting to load at three twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah, and, and getting them in, and I think that's what's annoying that it, that it's it's all right coming up with these fancy race times on busy race days, but then. You, like you say, you're always going off three or four minutes after time. These, these JCR tracks, yeah, and, and it's just it's just absolutely pointless having these weird times if you if you can't stick to them. But yeah, fair, fair point, Crispy. Really, um, you know, typical of our sport, uh, our, our racing in this country. I mean, I mean, I, I'm in favour, John, of um, bringing. I mean, they won't pay for it. That's the problem. But outriders. Because when when you get the loose horse, they spend ten minutes waving it down and you yeah. know and as, it, as it's running through golf course, you know, and putting green and then and then straight out back straight and clattering through some railings and then you know. But if you, well, you've it. got an out, Amy Miller can't attend every meeting, can she? No, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you can forget that. Ailey, Ailey, uh, stopping that horse, brave, brave lady. Um, but like I say, outriders are very effective because not only that, that the when a horse sees another horse, that they, that's the herd animals. So it kind of 
when, whenever they come to the end of the rabid, you know, break away from the stalls and run round the track, they'll see another horse, and and that you know, so it calms it as well. So, as I said, it's win-win. What would it cost for an outrider? It wouldn't cost the earth, would it? What would it be? Six hundred pound a meeting, something like that. You know, transport, uh, wage for the rider. Well, if I got old Spanner that used to ride out for Joe Mullard at 70 years of age, I'd probably get him for 50 quid for the afternoon. I'm not sure what he'd catch, like. Yeah, and it just makes the sport better. You know, it, it makes the sport where you're not waiting and waiting for a race. Then you don't get race clashes because it took 10, 15 minutes to catch it. Hmm. Um, I, just, I just think, again, it's just racing that are short, they're selling the product short um, in terms of that simple simple common sense solution to to what is really an everyday occurrence. Every, I'd yeah. say every day an horse gets loose, John. Every day. An oh, horse yeah. yeah. And that, that's it. Anyway, good question. Um, we go on to the next question, which is for, from Mr. 101. John Hines, who's an in-running punter, loves his in-running, does John Hines. He's good at it as well, I've heard. Um, so he says, um, <coughs> ammo racing, he says, could be one, yeah. That uh, he, oh, he says sorry, it could be one for Sunday. Um, but I'm putting it out on this show really because uh, I think it's a good question. Ammo racing's business model, John. So they spend fortunes on two-year-olds, basically, who probably won't train on. You know. Yeah. You know what? You know he says. He says, what would you guys do if you had millions to spend on horses? But the idea was to make money. If the idea is to make money, I'd, uh, I'd probably ask Mickey to give me three of his that were out of training. I'd sell them to the soap works and bank the rest. <laughs> um, if I had to do something with actual racehorses to make money, uh, if I'd been through my little bulk of suicide suggestions and I couldn't find anything suitable and I still had to press on and do something, um, I would probably buy a few off Dave Simcock because uh, I think there's there's money to be made if if you start just riding a few of his a bit handier, really. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we had this discussion this afternoon, didn't we? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm trying to persuade Lee to <laughs> get his hand in his pocket and buy a smart champion. And, uh, I think we can win an Abra or a November handicap with it. Well, but, uh, I mean, Sim, Simcock's the polar opposite to kill, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if there was only them two training, Simcock would never have a winner, would he? Yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean, I can remember a, a former trainer that's gone back down to Australia that uh, came over here, uh, uh, Jeremy Gask. Oh. And, and he was exactly the same. Dropped everything out of the back of the telly. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what, it, that it was going to be dropped out last. And he and he, he wondered why he was on three <laughs> percent. You know, he says I can't. He says, I can't train winners over here. You know, yeah. <laughs> it would it would help if you sort of you know change tactics now and again. But, but yeah, one dimension. I mean, I mean, Simcock and Spencer. It's like a match made in heaven. You know, everything dropped oh, out of the back of the telly. I mean. If, if you watch one as well, he had one last night against Chrisford's. Um, I forget the name of it, but if you if you look at the results anyway, uh, and 
it was it was the one where Crisford's won the ad day. That was very impressive. It, it was the second horse. That was Simcox. Yet again, dropped out, out the back, you know, brought through late. And it's just I don't know. It's I just I don't know what the Can game you imagine is. Really. If Sue had to ride for him for a season. <laughs> But then they'll probably the physical fight, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, that would come to blows. That. Yeah. I, I think Sill would have withdrawal symptoms if he, you know, if he couldn't just bomb out on one. You know, oh, Sill would be shaking like he's shooting dog, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah he's, I, what would I do? What would I do? I mean, if someone gave me a, a blank checkbook and said, right, you've got to buy a horse. I think the worst thing you can actually do is is kind of spend what they're spending because right the thing is it's a bit like bargain on. You know, have you ever watched bargain on? Yeah. Right. You get three hundred notes and and it's like right go go and go, go around an auction go around antiques fair and pick up some antiques and try and sell them at auction and it's like well I just buy like three things that like a fiver. Because, because <laughs> it's like you can't can't really lose. It's like you only you only need one room to like yeah. one to make tenner a score and you broke level. And, yeah. and yeah, spending two hundred quid on something for it to make eighty. It's not a good idea, is it? You know. Yeah. And the thing is with ammo racing, and I'm not criticising their projects, but I am. Um, but. The fact that you're spending, say, on book two purchases, some yeah. book one purchases, but they, they're not bred in the purple. So your chances of success, I, 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 I think it's a bad strategy. I, I think you're better off buying, buying either bottom end or top end, very top or very bottom. Because if you buy very bottom, it's like the chances are that, you know, you can have a lot of crap, but you but you can also like just get the ones that are crap totally well handicapped off fifty and have You're some going fun. You're going home with a few quid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the good what you know, and if and if after throwing a few darts, eventually you're going to get a freak, um, a good one for no money. Um, whereas you you spend hundred grand on like that hundred two hundred and fifty price range. I always you see so many of them, don't you? Like like between say eighty grand and hundred and fifty grand, and oh God, I'd love to I'd love to do research on it to see how many ended up, you know, absolutely useless. You know, Most um, I, yeah. Well, because if you look at the demographic of flat rated horses, most flat rated horses, the average sort of median rate is about seventy to seventy five. So, in effect. If you spend your hundred grand, most of the time you should be getting a little better than like seventy five. Yeah. Like because if the median is sort of seventy five as an average flat horse, that that's your average rating of all your stock. Yeah. So if you're spending hundred, I reckon that would put that probably maybe just above seventy five. So it's you bite you're getting a lot of seventy five eighty horses for your hundred thousand. And I just think you're better you're better off. If I'd got million, like I'd probably just buy two or three, and I, I'd go yeah. to a blood go to a bloodstock agent that I trusted. Mm. <laughs> that don't, don't exist, um, and and, and I, I, I'd get the help of whatever uh, who I thought I could trust, and and I would I would I would just 
compete with Coolmore on these. And, and, and I'd just buy three monsters. And I'd just hope that one of those three, so say if you have two million to spend, I'd spend, I don't know, 600, 600, 800. Yeah. I'd just hope that one of those three, that's all you'd need as well. One of those three would turn out to be, you know, a real good group animal, like, like a real high quality group animal. And I think that's your best chance rather than spending buying 20 at 100, if you know what I mean. Anyway, that's how I see it. That's what I'd do anyway, John. Great, great question. Um, we've had question. Yeah, we've had this question before, but we we also appreciate that there is new listeners. And, you know, we, as the show grows, we had our record uh, number of listeners last week. So thank you to all, all of you out there. It's uh, it's really it's really fun to know that people are enjoying the, the show and back in a few winners as well. And this comes from Ollie Keynes, and he said, if you had the pick of the flat jockeys as an owner in the UK, who would who would you take to be your retained riders, John? Uh, no question for me, Duran Fentiman. <laughs> Definitely. Duran uh, Duran. Absolutely, Duran Duran. Um, yeah. A, uh, if it's physically possible, Duran will follow the instructions that I would give him. And that's a priceless quality in my book. He wouldn't come in and tell me what he thought or anything like that. Uh, he does as he's told. And uh, he's a smashing lad and he can ride. And that would do me down to the ground. And plus, you wouldn't be getting two points knocked off your price because he was riding it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think I, I, if I were employing two jockeys, uh, I'd, I'd employ two jockeys that could go both ways and were happy about going both ways because, you know, it, it's kind of, you, you need, obviously, as we're doing it in a, in a, in a fully functional, uh, stable yard operation that's a, a good operation, you need to handicap your best one, uh, you, 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 your not-so-good ones, and you need to uh, be able to progress your better ones and do that in such a way that they carry on improving. And and I think that's why you'd need two experienced lads to, to ride the work and to plot your campaigns with all your horses. Because I think that's where some stables go wrong. Uh, I'm not going to mention stables, but I do think some get the horses terribly handicapped. And then it's just an uphill battle for the owner. Like I, I think you've mentioned on previous shows, John, where you... You know, an owner will get sick of the game if they well, can't, can't win. You know, well, you want your 55 horses off 45, don't you? Well, that's it. You, know, you want your 55 horses off 45 and your better horses. You want Jack and Linda, Linda Ramsden never bothered back in the day getting them off 37 and then you know, yeah. progressing yeah. to. Progressing to nineties, they weren't bothered. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, some great questions. Right, we're going to move on to the to the best part of the show now, where you can basically write all your betfair lays, and as you listen to me and John trying to decipher uh, tomorrow's racing, which is principally with the That's TV races. Yeah, from Newbury and HQ Newmarket. 
just just the weather report uh, to bore you all. I, I, I'm turning to Michael Fish on this episode, but New, Newbury and Newmarket are probably going to get some kind of showers tomorrow and and prob- possibly throughout the morning. But it's not definite. But bear that in mind with your betting that we're definitely looking at sort of softish ground at Newbury tomorrow. And Newmarket, you know, could get softer if the showers hit. So I'd forget I'd forget your bang fast grounders for tomorrow if you're um, studying. So we'll start off at I said we'll start off at Newmarket, John, and we'll go to we'll go to the Bet Betway Fairway Stakes, which is a listed contest over a mile and a quarter. And the favourite for this at current prices at around the eleven to eight mark. He's the Ed Dunlop trained John Leaper. John? It's a little bit depressing, this, isn't it, really, that we're, we're going to have to be betting John Leaper at 11 to 8 when we could have got stuck in at 8 to 1 on Thursday, holy moly. Uh, I mean, the more I think about Thursday's race, the more I think you'd have won it. And... Uh, it is a little bit of a shame that Ed Wolf has gone down this route and uh, decided to run in the easier listed race, um, which I think he'll win. All right, um, I just I just think it's a crying shame that uh, he didn't have a pop at the dante with this horse because I was that impressed with him on uh, seasonal debut. I think uh, he'd have gone very, very close in that dante. High definition was very disappointing as regards tactical speed. Um, he might have looked better if the entire field had chased Holly Doyle, but um, in the context of this race, anyway, I mean, uh, yeah, this, this, the way this is run isn't even faster him, you know, because Chances are Franny will get a soft solo and uh, he'll probably take a bit of picking up. But, but when he does, you'll be able to say, well, there's a derby off there. Um, I, I backed him Thursday night for the derby, I'll be honest. Uh, I backed him at 20 to 1. I thought, well, he's probably our most likely type now. And, and uh, as I say, if he manages to pick up, say, the shells coming out the dip, it won't be a bad performance. And I, I don't think it'll win it. Yeah, um, I'm totally concurring with you, John. Like, it, it, a little bit of disappointment, because obviously it is a fairly short price. I think justifiably so, because we're getting the £4 uh, from Fancy Man. Yeah. Which basically, if Fancy Man runs his race, we're going to have to run to about 100, I'd say, to beat him. I think we will run to 100. I think, I think that's that. I really think that. I was so impressed with the horse at Newcastle, and you know that was that was kind of like for me, like you said, when he was not when he was not entering the Dante at declaration stage, I, I was I was left with a real tinge of disappointment. Um, yeah. Now with you. When you mentioned the Johnston horse there, see, see the shells. I mean, this is where I, I, don't, I don't get trainers at times, but, but maybe look, they're, they're trying to see if this horse can be a turf. I don't see one way this is going to end up a turf horse because it's got the perfect all weather action. The, the, the mother Seychelles was 
she she basically won four races from 22 starts all on the all weather that's all she won on which were yeah. Wolverhampton Linkfield and Kempton and yeah. I, I can see what they're doing you know they're trying they're trying to make him into a into a into an into a turf performer he is going to be a turf horse for me so I, I don't think this field's very very good at all I, I, I think I think I think John Leeper will be in a different different level uh, but like you say, it's a bit galling that we have to take a, a rather short price to find out. But beautifully bred, and I can't fault your, your anti-post bet in the derby at all, because Franco out of Snow Fairy is just, just oh, it's a bit like Snow Lantern today, Richard Annans. The breeding just takes your eye, and I just I just love what he did at Newcastle. So I, I hope, I, I, to be honest, I want the derby to liven up a bit, and I want... I, I'd love to see a six-length win drawing clear, powering clear from John yeah. Lumper, uh, tomorrow. That, that that would really liven the derby betting up that. Um, so and an announcement crossed. that they're taking it somewhere else to train it. <laughs> it's off to King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we move on to the 240 race. It's the Betware King Charles II stakes. Uh, listed contest over seven furlongs and leading the market. On the drift slightly since they opened up, around the nine to four mark is the Jane Chapel High and Train Philly John Bellosa. Have you any view in this? Well, to be honest with you, I thought Bellosa would probably win. Um, I didn't think you could bet it at the price. But for me, I mean, I was really struggling to come up with alternatives. And yeah, I mean, this. This this sounds like well it probably is very depressing tipping from me because I mean we've got funky ground at you know market that could be yeah. anything and here I am chunking up sharp price favourites all the time which I feel a bit sick about but again I'm I'm really struggling to find a, a viable one to beat this. Well, it was interesting because. I had a very late piece of information for this. It came around lunchtime uh, on its debut, and I was told that it was as good as the filly that ran did, did, in the Nell Gwynn. Did it, did it, the one that... The one yeah, that the Nell Gwynn yeah, yeah. The, uh, and she was up with this sort of level. So, uh, you know, obviously, and she duly, she duly absolutely thrapped them um, and spanked them. Uh, just an interesting stat in the race for anyone playing. Uh, Ray from Ralph Beckett. Uh, uh, dual license. Dual licensed. Recently dual licensed. Uh, Devil Waller. First time blinkers. Well, Ralph is pretty good with first time blinkers, but, and there's a massive but here, he's not from 24 with Colts. So all these first time blinkers have come with geldings or fillies so whilst he's whilst if you read it, if you read your stats and you maybe have got software to do that and check all Ralph's rates first time blinds just just look at that not from 24 and I think they haven't they've not run well they've got so whether that's just too much testosterone in those ball sacks com, combined with the with with the old shades you know, it's like probably probably Ron Jeremy on acid, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so Devil Waller, it's a bad stat for, for, for Ralph Rafe there, not from 24. 
Right, we move on to uh, the 315 at Newmarket, which is a, a very competitive handicap. We finally got some competitiveness in the Newmarket card, and it's a six furlong event, class two, and the seven to two favourite, as I speak, is Jumbe, trained by Eve Johnson Houghton, ridden by Will Buick. John, any of you in this six furlong handicap? Oh, God, people's going to hate this. Um... I really think Jumbi is an absolute dad in the whole toaster and Napa here. Um, and it, it's, it's just embarrassing. Um, I mean... This is like blogger. I know. Blogger. I know. We just want the stallion lumping on and we all sit there shouting, lift him home, lift him home. Um, John, before you carry on with the explanation for your fat, can can you just t- bloggers got suspended on Twitter? No, he has Sus- account suspended. That and that that and Pierre Charles Boudo, his best pal, has got. Uh, uh, I've seen what's happened to him. So. Uh, he's, uh, he's been finger blasted. Oh my god! Uh, Without uh, is the blogger involved? <laughs> don't think. Oh my no. god. We don't know. All of a sudden, account suspended, gone. gone. He didn't blog about that, did he? Yeah. Unless, uh, you know, unless, unless the stallions, you know, well, the, the, done last, the last interaction I had with the blogger, um, it was in a off license in Streatham, and he bought this Jeroboam of champagne. And he said he took a picture and he said, Look at this, the stallion's going to love this for his birthday. And I responded with, make sure we little bit up well then. <laughs> and Did he uh, No he didn't actually, I don't think he saw it, but the stallion actually liked it. So <laughs> um Dunno. Well, well yeah. <clears throat> There we go. <laughs> anyway, go on. Sorry, John. I've, I've been really... um, yeah, uh, Jumby. I've sort of had my eye on this since it won on its debut at Ascot. It, it, it's a proper powerhouse of a horse, this great, thick, solid looking chest, like right across the chest, and that. It's all muscle and looks a bit more like a fire, to be honest. Um, but it's built like a speedball, really. And yeah. I was really surprised she tried to stretch it out over a mile last time out last year. And uh, it, it, it travelled up like Alan Wicker on steroids, you know. Um, but it, it didn't say trace out. And then yeah. she dropped it to six at Newmarket at the Craven meeting. Um, I wasn't quite sure it, it, it looked Cherry Rape, I it still looked a bit slack. And yet it should have won that, really. Um, didn't get the best of runs. Well, shit run, to be honest. Um, I, I think this, with plenty of pace on, I, I, I think this can run to, like, 100 plus, 105, maybe, at this sort of trip. Um, that's what I'd expect to see from it at some point this season. And, I don't say why not tomorrow, you know. Um, Travelled nicely on good the soft se- second time up last year at Newbury, which was quite messy ground. There was a fair few Clemish lying about, so 
I'm not too worried about the ground. Three to one's not great, but you know, rather have three to one a winner than seven to two a loser. Do you know, I I, I concur with your um, sort of reasoning there. I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was like yeah, I, I I completely agree with what you're saying. And the only thing is, like you said, we've now tipped three fans, and I feel, I feel yeah. awful. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to feel guilty. You know, I'm, I'm going in my guilt trip mode. And I, I feel so, dirty. Yeah, dirty, yeah. You know, like unclean. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. so, so, what I thought I'd do is I, I'm going to pop up a selection here in people's minds. Uh, Bickerstaff uh, of Carl Burks, uh, a Mason, which often enjoy a lot of cut. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this horse is definitely better with cutting the ground. Very, very impressive after missing the break on debut when beating Cotton Lane. And then disappointed, actually, in a listed race. Went off 13 to 8 favourite. I actually tipped it, which told you all you need to know. And it ran terrible. And, and it just just never, I don't know, it was weird. It was a weird run. Um, so whether that came a bit too soon after its debut, 17 days after I don't know. It could, you, you could have made that excuse. Um, then on reappearance, it won at Ponte. Um, possibly a little bit lucky to do so from an unlucky in running. Uh, uh, I think it was Captain Jumbo, uh, Uncle Jumbo of Kevin Ryan's was unlucky in the race, but ran perfectly well behind Creative Force last time at Newmarket. And I thought it found the ground, John, a little bit too quick. Mm-hmm. You could just see it struggling down down the yeah. hill on that on that quick ground. And I, I just feel if there's a bit more jukes in, in, in the surface, I, I think, and as well, they've got Rusty Leoff and Adam Kirby on. Which yes, that's got to be a plus. That, yeah, a massive plus. So a bit of a jockey upgrade. And I thought that could run well at a price if you fancy going at a price because it'll love conditions. Like I said, if, as long as there's a bit of jukes in the ground, I think Bickerstaff's a little bit of value around 12 to 1 um, if, if, if Jumbie's sort of not your price in a competitive race. But... John's got very sound reasoning for that, and um, I agree with everything he said on Jumbe. So now we move to Newbury, and we go to the 150 race, I believe, which is the first uh, televised race, terrestrial televised race on the card. And it's the six furlong Carnarvon Stakes, a listed contest where tactical for Andrew Balding and Oshie Murphy is the two to one favourite for the race, John. Yes, and guess what we're tipping. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's to get the flags out, Gavin, because the Queen can mourn no longer for the Joker Red because she's going to have a winner tomorrow. And yeah. uh, this, is, this will be the one to put the, put the smile back on her face and the spring in her step. And uh, let's hope she has a walk over to Newbury and... Uh, as a watcher, this. Um, I, I mean, it's just it's got plenty in hand on official figures. It's proven its well-being. Um, it's one on good to soft. I, I, I don't know what you need to come up with to get it right, really. I mean, maybe not entirely at its best good to soft, but I mean, it was a great total, it won. You know, um, sorry, but total one. There you go, folks. <laughs> so that's uh, John, uh, uh, vlogger, tipping up tactical. 
and <laughs> he's uh, to be fair, obviously, you know, cracking. It did run well last time to beat to beat Naval Crown. I felt because it, it didn't quite go it all its own way. So I, I I was impressed by it, but I did feel also that Creative Force was definitely going the right way. Um, the the win at Newmarket, Jumby was in third. So maybe uh, maybe John. Uh, what time does Jumby run tomorrow? What, what, let's have a look. So we've got mm. Jumby running at three fifteen. Yeah. So, so if Creative Force wins the the one fifty, in other words, it beats Tactical, then you you need to go on your bet fair and just literally just just if Creative Force passes the line in front or or a good close second for Tactical, say for example, then I would just start clicking on Jumbo, whatever, you know, because obviously the the form is going to be, be uber strong then if Creative Force runs a big one here. And I have to, yeah, so, so as I said, that would be my uh, uh, little perk. I, I, I'm not really tipping him because I, I, I think it's a really tricky heat, to be honest, but I do think Creative Force is going the right way and getting the £3 from Tactical. He's only got to improve six pound on the official. I think he can improve four or five pounds on what I've seen. So I think it could be quite tight. So we move on. We've we've got nothing. I mean, John did like tactical in that at two to one. Um, I'm I'm not really offering one in there. We go on to the Al Rayan Stakes, which is a mile and a half race. It was registered as the Aston Park, as as most of us know it. Uh, group three, three contest, and me and John were very sweet on Alazi last time. The Haggis, uh, an even money shot, John. Is this going to be in your blogger acker? <laughs> um, it ought to be, in fairness. I mean, it's got the proven well-being card up its sleeve, hasn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Logician... Um, has a few things to overcome lately. It has the uh, the run at York where it ran like he's had AIDS. Yeah, that was really bad. You know, but I mean, prior to that, um, you've got the likes of the Ginger Hitler saying, well, that's his replacement for Enable next year. It could be anything. It'll win King George in the Breeders' Cup. So, do we disregard the Stinking run at uh, York, after which uh, John and the real slim Thady knocked him off. Uh, do we assume that he's going to come back needing this? It's going to be a confidence builder, and Frankie will just be nudging along and making ground up steadily while Assi makes good with the with the cash tomorrow. It's it's a tricky call for me. Um, if somebody put a gun to me, I'd probably have to say Alassi. <laughs> this Favak is going back. I, I know. Listen, it's going to be 10 trebles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I, I'm I'm not so hot on John Gosden at the moment. I know he had Derab winning today very impressively at Newmarket, and I would imagine that one might enter into the derby picture, but they might be, to be honest, they might be looking at it the way it won, that more over a mile and a quarter than a mile and a half. But um, I, 
I just think that John Gosden's runners prior to today were 9% coming into today, the last fortnight, from quite a few runners. And I just think one or two of them, uh, and I've noticed this, one or two of them uh, are getting very, very warm, warm down the necks, and are very, very keen in the races. And I'm just, I, whether it's the feed, whether it's the, you know, like the, the, the training, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it could be training. I don't know. Well, that thing in silver colours today was a stretchy job, toe out, wasn't it? Yeah, Tembury Wells, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and all the vibes from the yard on that were strong. So, yeah. well, I don't know if these lads are doing maybe a little bit too much on the gallops, but but they they certainly all very keen. Look, you watch John Gosden's runners last two weeks if you want to go back through them. A lot of them are very very keen, and I just wonder it could be something in the feed, it could be it could be anything why 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 they're running like this. But so I'd be I'm against most of Gosden's runners at the moment. Most I'm not saying all, but most of them, um, and I would like to put up thunderous as a sporting choice in this the reason being and and i don't think he's up to the level of alazi and, and certainly not to the level of logician if you knew it was right and and, and totally cherry ripe but I, I actually think the key to this horse will be softer ground which he'll get tomorrow he, he's not had it often uh, and it, he's had it against highest ground when 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 it won the dante and basically outstayed highest ground. Now we know that the highest ground was much the best of that race. It just obviously kicked too soon. But I just think that this horse has not had a chance to shine yet over a mile and a half with a bit of juice in the ground. The the run behind Ron Priestley I thought wasn't too bad last time. Didn't again for a horse with injury problems and and I believe he's had a fracture of a pelvis. I could be wrong on that, but I believe he has. Now. Do, do do you want to run a horse like that on fast ground? You know all the time. You know it's it's it's. It, I reckon he'll appreciate. This, one bother the kilt. He's a qualified vet, you know. <laughs> no, he just carries on and runs. He'll probably run it at Hamilton in Braveheart next year um, on firm. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, thunderous. Uh, I would say he's a sporting choice. Like, just, you fancy opposing the market leaders. Just to illustrate what a meeting of minds this, this horse has brought together under one banner, um, the uh, the quote in the Racing Post is from the all-seeing oracle that is Harry Herbert, racing manager to Highclere. He disappointed badly first time up. He'd been off a long time and really needed the race. He took a big step forward next time. And Mark and Charlie Johnston, trainer and assistant, believe he'll do so again. It's a track and ground that should really suit him, but it's a tough race. So thanks for that, Harry. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's enlightened everyone there. Um, so yeah, so that'd be my sporting choice, really. Just because, as I say, I'd... I don't really want to back Alazi evens. I wouldn't back Logician off the absence and not knowing what it's going to do. So I'd just go for a little bit of a bit, a bit of sport for Thunderous to maybe cause an upset. On you, 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 can see, you can see Frankie just doing the chicken wings straight out if Logician doesn't fail great, can't you? For sure. Yeah. 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 And that's no good to anybody that's went on ten really. travels. No good to Thunderous. 
Not no, on ten travels now. No. We <laughs> me and vlogger. We move. We move on to the three o'clock, which is the very competitive on prices anyway, and it's got my nap in it. It's got my weekend nap, John. Oh. Uh, the London Cup, London Gold Cup, nine to two favourite Baybridge for the Baron and Brian Moore. Um, John, what's your thoughts here? I don't know what to make of Baybridge, to be honest. Um, he he seems to be getting his, his better handicappers handicapped on the old weather these days. Yeah. And, and then the coming of these races, and we don't know what the blue hell to expect, in all fairness. Um, physically, I'm not convinced with those. I think it's a little bit late of bone. Uh, it, it, it's not a tape that, that I, I'm generally looking to see a lot of progression from. It, it, you know, I think, I think once you've had three or four hundred with some of these, there's not a lot left in the till. Um, with that in mind, um, I took a look at Jabawi Sands, who I think is very reasonably handicapped off 86. Um to quiet sort of arse, his manner and everything, and uh, I, th- I think he's one of these that only does enough. Um, I was very impressed with him, that said it, uh, written last time. Just the way he went about the job, and written can be tricky. I, I know he ran odds on and all the rest of it, but he hit a couple of them undulations on the wrong stride, and it, it never bothered the arse at all. You know, he just, he just carried on regardless. And prior to that, I, I thought the run over a trip way too short against my show was really, really good. Um, I'll be damned if this is only an 86 horse at the end of the year. I, I don't know if it's ready for this, but at 8-1, eight, eight to one, I, th- I think it's the, the horse with the biggest amount of potential in the race, shall we say. Okay, okay. So John is with Jubawi Sands, uh, Roger Varian train runner. Uh, best price about nine to one, I believe. Uh, this is my nap in, of the weekend in the race, and it is Hugo Palmer's Oz Legend. That's around the twelve to one mark uh, by Australia, and I think he's going to love the soft ground. He was basically, I think, just hating it at Windsor. It was like a road, and I just think I just think he hated it. I don't think that the pace of the race was was right either. They gave the Godolphin horse an easy lead as if, as if they'd all backed it. This this horse basically wants a mile and a half, really, to be at peak. So the fact he ran so well over a mile and a quarter, I, I think augurs well for today on the on the softer conditions on a track that will certainly suit him a lot better than Windsor. Now you look at the form of the Newcastle race; it's 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 quite strong form. Um, it, it beat a horse called Council, which which ran a next second to Fox's Tails. I know Fox's Tails disappointed at Chester in the listed race behind El Drama, but the third horse, Al Fadil, that came out and won at the Chester meeting in the mile and a quarter maiden in quite impressive fashion. I think they've left left a lot on the left a lot on the mark here. Off eighty two, I think yeah. a, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a smart horse. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what kind of level it can get to, but I certainly think it's better than eighty-two, and I think it's a very very good bet around the uh, uh, dozen to one odds available. So I hope you fill your boots there, 
on Oz Legend. So, in particular, so I can't back it in the morning. Right, we move on to the, the 335, the last, the last uh, of our preview. I think we've overstayed our welcome on this show. We're enjoying it. But we go to the 335. It's a lock in. It's the big race. Palace Pier John, 4 to 6 for the outer form, Gosden Yard. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, you know, do you take a chance on uh, Gosden having isolated this one or not? Um, I'm massively disappointed that it's pissed down at Yeovry and we haven't got this on fast ground, to be honest, because I would have had a 66 to 1 nap for you in this. Um, <laughs> Because there's one in here. Um, I don't even know if it's run to one or now. Um, it was nowhere near ready on each race car's debut when it was six and a half lengths behind Palace Pier. And since then, it hasn't had its ground. And yeah. that's Lord Campari, Roger Reddy. Oh, the, the Lord, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's next three runs have all been on unsuitable ground. It, it got away with it in its novice, and then it ran a listed race at Newmarket, didn't like it, and then ran on very soft at Doville and didn't like it. And this had gone completely under the radar, and I was thinking, yes, I'm going to smash the living crap out of this on Saturday. And it's rained, so I'm depressed. Depressed beyond belief. I am actually because uh, I, I had this finishing somewhere near. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, you're stretching it to say to make the same progress as Palace Payer, but Palace Payer was ready for that debut. It wasn't, you know, um, and it it it's all set to at some point this season it will get its fast ground and get a strongly run mile and. Hopefully we'll get paid out, you know. Um, but in in that one's absence, I would I would probably suggest my over on as an HO alternative to the favourite. Okay. I, th- I thought I travelled up nice in the early Sefton. Uh, I don't think the ground will bother it too much. Haggis is probably the best stable in the country at the moment, and uh, I, I think you could go worse than that that each way. Yeah, so my Oberon at 10 to 1 for William Haggis and Tom Marquand is John's sort of selection after he was disappointed uh, in the ground uh, for the uh, Simcock runner, bless him. So, my selection in the race, um, I'm going for Safe Voyage of John Quinn's. I think he had a cracking season last year. I think the one worry is that he's eight years old and obviously horses of that old that age have never... Never won a lockage, but I have an interesting stat for you that I think a lot of lot of punters are going to find this very interesting. Right, horses in the lockings, John. Yeah. Of the last last twenty two years, for those mm-hmm. who like your stats, eight eighteen out of twenty two winners haven't had a recent run. Right. Mm-hmm. So only 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 four have won the race with having a spin. That includes the favourite here. So basically, we've got a total of. 110 runners yeah. that, have, that, that have had a spin in the in the last 22 years in Lockinge, only four have won from 110. Wow. Right? Eight, eight, 18 from 104 
have won blockage without spin. So I wonder if it's sort of like a guineas for older horses. It's often been remarked on that, that lockage is basically a guineas for the, for yeah. the older horses. And I just wonder sometimes if that, you know, if best fresh is, is the key. So I went with Safe Voyage because of the season he had last year. And I had a little word with one of my uh, contacts to get in touch with uh, the, uh, the Quinn Yard today. And they say the horse is in absolutely ridiculously good form. So that was good enough for me. I felt, you know, he's got the form last year. He's been very, very impressive in his races last year uh, at a high level. And I thought if there were any chinks in the Gosden armour at four to six, safe voyage would be possibly the one um, to um, have a look at at, at at a price. I think, I believe, about 16 to one each way. If you can get some good each way terms, I'd be looking at safe voyage each way in the lockinge. John, any other business for the weekend? Um, well, I mean, the only other one I was interested in at the, the, the Tell Big Tracks uh, was actually another favourite, say, Empress, in the, in the following race. Um, yeah. I'm hoping she'll make up into an Oaks candidate. Um, but you couldn't be backing her at that price. Well, the other thing with see Empress, I felt, as well, is the ground, because she's by... Uh, see the stars which is predominantly fast not all the time but predominantly fast but it's more i'm more concerned on the damn side. side yeah it's exceeding excel it, yeah, yeah. it, it, excellent and uh and king mambo so basically you've got nothing soft there whatsoever so I, i'd be a little bit worried about about the so- but interestingly though john we know that the empress has had three entries this week and uh willie has picked this one the uh, Musidora, Michael Seeley, and this one, which is probably the easier of the three. I say, um, given, given the the races he had to pick from, I think he's probably not taken the ground one. into account and thought, well, she can pace that. Um, yeah. But then, as you say, there's going to be a, a well, it's quite likely to be a ground issue, you know. I mean, uh, especially if it comes, I, w- I would not back her if it came up soft. If, if it came up genuine soft ground tomorrow... No, no. He probably if, won't, wouldn't Well, that's it. It's possibly have to withdraw, but I, I don't know. He may, may think she'll go on it. I don't, this is thing. Sometimes there's anomalies, but on pedigree, she shouldn't go on it, but there we go. If anybody wants what? to back one out the uh, polio-ridden Gosden yard in that race, at a pinch was a big eye capture on Debbie who didn't get any sort of run at all. Um, by Luke de Vega and out of a Montgomery mare, um, gonna stay all day, won't mind bad ground, 28 to 1 in a failure 8, and then I think that's probably a bit of alternative value there, you know. Cracking, yeah, absolutely, those sort of prices, like you said, Luke de Vega, you know, and you've got big John and Sadie sending a maiden for a listed race. Yeah, interesting. Right, we're going to leave it there. We've probably overrun tonight, but we've enjoyed it. Hope you have. And don't forget, Sunday night, we're back for the sermon. We've got some banging topics for the sermon, so don't miss us on Sunday night. That's all from me and John. Hope you're back from winners tomorrow. Bye for now.